Welcome to your Buzz Rant and Rave podcast, and welcome to your 2012 TV season. So we have an exciting panel for you tonight for some obvious lack of enthusiasm. <laughs> Joining me is Dan Suter. Uh, introduce yourself, Dan. Hi, uh, my name is Dan Suter. I'm no longer a college student, but I uh, used to write about uh, movies and pop culture for my college newspaper, and now I just tweet about it. And also Amy Watts. I'm Amy Watts. I'm a librarian and a recapper for the Baltimore Sun TV Lust site. I'm currently doing Dancing with the Stars in Parks and Recreation. Oh, so, I didn't know you picked up Parks and Rec. I did, just this season. It's So who missed television over the summer? I, I did. I, as my absence from Twitter and the internet in general may have suggested, I was away all summer, so I missed all that choice summer watching. You were tying up young boys in the woods, right? That's that's not how I would describe it. <laughs> I, I that was, sounds uh, very terrible. I was uh, encouraging them to expand their horizons and challenge themselves physically, uh, mentally. That actually sounds worse. Mentally. And um, if my job description had anything to say about it, but not in practicality, spiritually. I worked at a camp affiliated with the uh, Diocese of Manchester, New Hampshire the Catholic diocese, but a, I played more dodgeball than I said Hail Marys, so. And there's a whole world of jokes we're not going to go into. Yes, especially since the, uh, yeah, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> so uh, I didn't miss TV over the summer because I watched plenty of TV over the summer. What should I have watched? Well, I mean, I like a lot of the USA shows that go during the summer. Um, Suits was really great. This second season of Suits was much better than the first. I mean, the first was good, but they really found their footing in the second season. Uh, White Collar continues to be good. I uh, gave up on Covert Affairs, and I watch Royal Pains to nap. But uh, the Suits and White Collar were both very good this summer. I, uh, I, I do have on my to-watch list The Newsroom, which I've put, like, four and a half episodes in... And um, Bunheads. I heard Bunheads was really good. Oh, Bunhead, Bunheads Bunhead was awful. Okay. <laughs> oh wow. It was it, it. You watched each week just because you had no idea what was going to happen next, but not in a good way. Oh, it that's was, unfortunate. It, it is what it is. I per, I enjoyed not watching a lot of TV over the summer. Although I did really enjoy the FX comedies Wilfred and Louie. Oh, and, I watched those. I picked those. up Louie this year. Which are just tremendous shows. And also, uh, I really enjoyed Here Comes Honey Boo Boo. It's not great television, but it is great sociology. You realize <laughs> that America is way further on the path to idiocracy and the, the world of Wally than I think any of us really expected. Now, see, yeah. I These live, people exist. I live in, in Georgia. Georgia. I live in Georgia, and I grew up in Tennessee. I don't need Honey Boo Boo to tell me what's going on around here. I was going to say, I, there's a little bit of that in my, uh, in my family tree, the, the northern end, the northern New Hampshire side. Um, I actually sort of lied when I said I didn't watch any TV. I did watch the end of the seasons of Mad Men and Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, and then I did watch all of uh, uh, Breaking oh, Bad. I wouldn't of miss course, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was on this summer. I, I watched... My team watch... just started watching Breaking Bad over the summer, and we're up to we just started season three. Yeah. Oh, it's so a... you haven't seen any of it, Amy? I, I've seen the first two seasons and the first two episodes of season three. Well, you are so lucky better. that you get to experience it for the first time. I'm jealous of you. I really am. <laughs> I um, wish I could. I wish I could get the Men in Black like mind erasing, like Eternal Sunshine, but just for Breaking Bad, so I could watch it again. Well, it's been interesting because we're watching them. Um, we pretty much watch two episodes a week, and I'm I'm I feel like now in season three, I'm at the point where I'm trying to decide whether I'm going to cheat on my TV group and just suck them all in when they're not around, and then when we're watching them, be like, "Oh, I didn't know that was going to happen," because uh, I just want to. It's really hard to just stop it to a week. Have is, yeah, is well, it's 
<laughs> one a week was much harder. I imagine. Exactly. And uh, especially the wait between the last two seasons. Um, although not as bad as... It was an extra, like, two months. Although not as bad as the wait between Mad Men seasons. That was a little ridiculous. Oh, yeah. and I've also been watching The Wire to keep up with the um, Throwing Things blog and to pr- kind of tie it back in. That was the first thing that I talked about with you guys. Yeah, it's I a, have not kept up. I'm still doing it at the one-a-week pace, and we're up to season four now, and I'm still enjoying it. Also, really, where it peaks. And good, you've, you've good TV watching coming up. Yeah. Even, even if you're stuck watching Dancing with the Stars All-Stars. <laughs> I like my dancing show. I like it a lot. <laughs> I actually have not seen any more of The Wire since we talked about it. I've, I have a hard enough time keeping up with my really packed television schedule as it is. And I spent the last like month on the road. I've been home for a week. I spent a month uh, bouncing around between my fen- friends' places outside of Boston and Baltimore. So I just missed everything. Yeah. Well, I'm, so, su- I'm surprised. Once you get into The Wire again, I'm surprised. I would be very shocked if you just don't binge watch all the way through. Oh, I'm sure I will, but I'm supposed to be applying for jobs, and it's not conducive when you're to to finding a career when you're watching a serialized drama when you're inhaling it. Yes. So speaking of serialized dramas, um, there were none of them on the development slate this year. I don't know. That was a terrible segue. That's something that uh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were two. There were two. Well, there's, uh, there's Last Resort, which I think one of you said you wanted to watch. I don't, I don't think we did. I'd watch I, the, I, I'd watch the first episode, but the second is still sitting on my DVR. Um, I'm, I'm in the same boat. But, ha, uh, same boat. <laughs> <laughs> With a that, terrible pun. That's great. But, an, but a serialized drama that you did watch, Andrew, is Nashville. Correct. And we're gonna loop back and talk about that later in the. Bit. Oh, okay. Because I think that was one of the the shows that was actually well. Say I sampled a few things for this season, and that's the only one that I actually have desire to watch a second episode of, right away. So do we want to like throw stuff out that we've sampled and aren't gonna talk about, so we can just tell everyone what's not gonna be in the podcast? Yes. So, <laughs> so I'll start. I have sampled Last Resort, which I enjoyed, and I'm gonna keep recording because Andre Brauer is. Uh, been consistently awesome since uh, Detective Pimbleton. Uh, but it's highly implausible and just kind of scattered. Uh, and what else did I record? Uh, ben and Kate, which I'll keep recording, and uh, the Mindy Kaling show, which I haven't watched yet. And that was it for me, what I uh, for what was you interested added? in. Yeah. I, I started watching uh, Ben and Kate. I watched that. I've seen both episodes. I watched Elementary, both episodes. I I have Mindy Kaling's show queued up, ready to watch. Just haven't haven't found the time. And I I think that's all that's new that really appeals to me. I did watch the pilot to Nashville. I did watch that. I haven't had a chance yet to watch Nashville, but I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, watched the first episode of Last Resort, but not the second. Watched both episodes of Elementary. Um, have watched the first episode of Partners and haven't hated myself enough to go back and watch the second one yet. Um, I love David Krumholtz so much, and he is, and then the show is so terrible. Um, ben and Kate, which I'm going to talk about later. I watched the Mindy Kaling, pro- the Mindy Project. That's the name of it, right? Yeah. The yes. Official title. And I watched the first two episodes, and this is going to sound perhaps not nice of me, but I never watched The Office. And all I know about Mindy Kaling is from what she's written. Like, I've seen... essays. I haven't read her book, but, like, I read excerpts from the book in various places, or sometimes I'll see things that she tweeted and things like that. I'd never heard her speak until oh. I watched The Mindy Project. And after having watched, what, like, 42 minutes now of her show... I cannot stand her voice. <laughs> I don't mean it, like her authorial voice. I mean like the actual sounds coming out of the, her mouth. The timbre of her voice. It's too it, high pitched. And I just, I, I, if I could find a way to, like if I could adjust the audio settings or something so that we knock it down. You could take down. her down like two octaves. Yeah. Cause I like the show, but I'm, I really just can't handle that voice. How um, do your cats feel about it? Were they in the room when they were when you were watching? I, it? I don't know, but we should try that out because when I was watching uh, something recently, 
that was from Showtime, the Showtime title card came on, and the title on the Showtime title card had them all crouching and staring at the TV in fear, and it was awesome, so I rewound it three times. Um, I will just say that I want to interject. I did have questions about that because she's never been more than a bit performer on The Office. There's been a few episodes that she features heavily in, but I did wonder how her acting and her, her... performance would stand up when she's on camera 100% of the time or most of the time instead of just like 10% of the time. And I haven't watched yet, so I don't know. But but if that's an issue for the show, it's hard to do. I mean... I think I mean, her performance is fine. I mean, I don't it, have any qualms about that. It's just, it really is just a pitch thing. I mean, if they could get a million seasons out of The Nanny and Roseanne, I think they'll figure out... I, I think it'll be fine. <laughs> I think annoyingly voiced females. I'm not saying Mindy Kaling's voice is annoying. I didn't watch The Nanny either for the same reason. (laughs) I I grew up seeing ads for it, and that was enough. Um, The other thing that I sampled, and I have to admit here, I didn't even make it to the credits if they had them, um, was Vegas. The opening scene of Vegas is Dennis Quaid in the desert on a horse, talking to another guy on a horse. An airplane flies low over them. You cut to the airstrip. Michael Chiklis gets out in a in a three-piece suit and a fedora from the airplane and surveys the the you know surveys the the landscape. And then Dennis Quaid rides up on his horse to challenge the airplane. And that's when I stopped it and said this show is not for me because I really like Michael Chiklis, but I'm like he used a horse to chase an airplane. Okay, I'm done. It's, uh, you know, I, I've only heard what Dan Feinberg and Alice Eppenwell have had to say about it, but, I mean, it just seems like CBS is trying to do a prestige cable show, but they're doing it in a CBS way, which, I mean, I guess we'll get to when um, when we talk about elementary, but... Well, do you want to go ahead and talk about elementary, then? Is that how we want to lead it yeah, off? Go, go for it. Well... Uh, the way we talked about this in the emails, planning this podcast out, was that we would each bring a show we picked up to, to dive into, and then a show we returned to to dive into. And the show I picked up that I'm going to expound upon is Elementary, a uh, modern reframing of uh, Sherlock Holmes in uh, present-day New York, starring Johnny Lee Miller. Uh, he's been on Dexter. He was in Train Spotting, right? Um in uh, as uh, Sherlock Holmes and uh, Lucy Liu as Dr. Joan Watson. See what they did there? Um, so, and there was some, I want to get it out of the way with, because I, I think it's both fair and unfair to bring it up. Um, there are a lot of comparisons to the BBC Sherlock to be made. They're both modern incarnations of Sherlock Holmes. Um, they're both set in major metropolitan cities, and there are a lot of things that are similar. Like, they both, like, I, and there was, I guess, some Sturmund drong over the appropriation of that setup, that concept, uh, between Stephen Moffat and CBS, and they brought him in for a meeting, and he said no, and they made it anyway, and Benedict Cumberbatch said something about it, um, and, uh, I don't know. I don't want to compare it to the BBC show because I think they're doing entirely separate things in that the BBC show has made nine hours of programming um, over the course of about two and a half years, whereas this Sherlock Holmes is going to beat that by March. Well, and the other big difference is that the BBC one is actually using um, the Doyle plots and just updating them to modern times, whereas... Uh, elementary is only pulling the the names of basically the names of the characters and the personalities. I'm sure that their sweeps week episode will be, you know, the Hound of Baskervilles or something. They'll they'll Maybe. they'll bring they'll bring in. I think they'll bring in classic Holmesian plots at some point, and you know that the Reichenbach fall will be the will be the um, first season finale or whatever. Uh, I think it will at least, um, but. They also use some similar music that's sort of, and the same thing with the, uh, I don't know when it became shorthand for Holmes, the down, but the music from the Downey Jr. movie, which um, they also used in the BBC Sherlock, which they're using a similar music here where it's that sort of 
twangy, clattery, lots of uh, uh, fiddle and stuff. And uh, it, it's the music's pretty good. But um, I guess the major differences I would say is that Elementary is far less visually inventive. And what I thought was great about the BBC Sherlock was it used on-screen graphics and uh, innovative um, special effects to make you see how Holmes's mind was working so that they could make him very much smarter than you, but that you weren't being left behind in the dust. It, it pulled you along and showed you how he was smarter than you without making you feel dumb. Well, and um, it did it in Or a without way... forcing him to do exposition. Exactly. Yes. It did it in a way where he didn't have to talk at you. Yes. And um, other than that, in the BBC show, I thought they did a very clever job of making the addiction, the drug addiction subplot kind of... Not subtext, not quite full text, but like three quarters text. Um, in this, it's very much the text. Right. Uh, so the setup is that um, he, that Sherlock Holmes absconds from rehab to take a job as a p- consultant with the police department of New York City, and his father hires Dr. Joan Watson as a sober companion. Uh, the word companion gets used a lot in this series, um, where her job is basically to be his nanny, valet, make sure he's not doing drugs, administer on-the-spot drug tests, which somehow spit back results in, like, 15 seconds. Um, and... Well, if, if they have a TARDIS, if there's a companion in, in all this, uh, <laughs> maybe that's how it works. <laughs> maybe it's a reference to Doctor Who, a show I will not ever watch. Um, but the, uh, I have a lot of positive things to say about elementary and the upward inflection maybe says that I'm getting something negative at the end to it, at the end of it. But the cinematography is pretty good. Um, like I said, it's not as innovative as the, the BBC Sherlock. And that's the last comparison I promise I'll make, but, um, they're shooting on location in New York. At least they're doing a lot of exteriors there. And that really makes a difference. Having, watched two episodes of castle in the same day that i watched two episodes of elementary you really notice the difference yeah um and it it makes it it looks uh, elementary looks much better um than you're and it could be just an example of pilots getting a little more attention because they spend more money on pilots um and they got some good actors some to play bit parts you know like dallas roberts who had a pretty good part in uh the gray and in rubicon and he's like just a side character in uh, the, uh, he's not going to be returning. Uh, he's just a side character in the mystery of the week. Um, they had they spent some money on music um, choices. They played a Passion Pit. I think they played one of the songs off the new album, and uh, they played an Elvis Costello song at the end of an episode. Um, you know, and it is a really good title sequence. It's a good short title sequence with like a Rube Goldberg machine, which you can kind of use as a metaphor for Sherlock Holmes's mind. Um, but man. Uh, there are some parts of the show that are not good. Like, you can see the CBSifying of it when it t- it's time for Holmes to actually be the thing that Sherlock's Holmes is, and that's smart. Like, he's like he figures out Watson at one point is like, "How do you know I have a car?" Because he says, "Like, oh, you have a car." She's like, "How do you know I have a car?" He says, "Oh, I saw a parking ticket when you dropped your purse." It's like, "Oh, great, that's you know, real big stretch there, Holmes." And um. And the, the structure is almost entirely that standard CBS procedural plot. Crime before the credits, and then you walk in, and there's interviews, and there's, you know, they're invested in a crime scene, and they go through three different leads, and it's sometimes it's the first guy, sometimes it's the second guy. Um, but if you're watching the show, you're probably watching for the core performances, and Johnny Lee Miller is pretty good. Um, he's giving a—I think it's an interesting performance— He's really animated and manic when you compare to the rest of the cast around him. And that's probably the point, um, given that he's just out of rehab or whatever undisclosed drug he was doing. I think they say heroin. I'm not sure. That's the, uh, Holmes was classically addicted to opioids, so it's probably heroin. Um, and he's kind of all over the place physically. It, he's kind of kinetic. He's kind of – sometimes he's you know getting down on his hands and knees and straight on his belly. And he livens up the frame a little bit, which – in a lot of procedurals, it's just people walking around and talking to each other at head chest level. And he's doing some different things. And I'll always stand up for Lucy Liu. Um, I've been, I enjoyed her performance on the last season or two of Southland, which is a, a dreadfully underrated show. It's really good. 
and she's really, really good here. I think she's uh, giving a good performance as Watson. It's it's kind of hard when you're up against a cartoon character, but she kind of grounds it while not being too placid, while not being too much of an exposition machine. Um, but speaking of exposition mu- machines, man, do they just... They make a joke in the pilot where he's like, oh, he, he lists off a list of deductions that he makes about her, right? Just like you would expect Sherlock Holmes to do. And she says, it, he says, and your parents are divorced. And she goes, how do you know that? He's like, well, Google, you know, some things are just out there. And then they use that as a total crutch to explain why he knows things. He's like, I Googled it. And that, to me, showed the real weakness of this show. And that's the writing. The writing is not that good. Um the dialogue is fine. Uh, there's some clever dialogue. I didn't take notes on the dialogue, but there's some clever dialogue. But the mysteries are so flat, and they really are. They're not good. <laughs> there, there's a there's some do ex machina stuff going on. Just, just stuff that comes out of nowhere. That I'm fine with shows that fool me, but there was just no basis to some of the stuff that comes out in the second and third acts of some of these mysteries. Um, and it also has a weirdly prudish streak. Um, in the first couple of minutes of the episode, there's a joke there, you know, there's very clear references to Holmes uh, engaging in BDSM. And then later on, they make a joke about a zipper hooded mask. And yet, like, it, the show treats infidelity as, like, the worst possible crime. Like, she, at one point, she's like, her life went off the rails. She started drinking, and then she started seeing a married man. And it was <laughs> like, whoa thanks cbs you know like infidelity is the worst possible Stone crime there, there are murders <laughs> there are murders there is there is um there are crimes afoot but heaven forbid somebody betray their marital vows and um and that's really uh, what i had to say about it. it it's really inconsistent the performances are good um you've got one that's unsubtle in every way and one that's kind of subtle and i think is is a li- if anything, it's more interesting because Holmes is naturally going to be a big performance. But I, you know, much like Martin Freeman, there I, I invoked BBC again, but his Watson was a little nebbish and funny. Um, Lucy Lou's is interesting. I'm interested in seeing what she does with Watson, and I will say, I have a little hope for the show because there's this built-in structure where Holmes's father, who at some point, I want to see who they cast as his father, because they've mentioned his father about 300 times. <laughs> um, and I, so I'm Sweet sure... Week. I, I, exactly. I was actually... I, it's in my notes. Who are they going to cast as his father during Sweeps Week? It'll be they... I mean, they should probably just throw a bunch of money at whatever at whatever big-name British actor can, can do an accent. but uh, Or uh, anyone who can do a British accent. But um, I don't know. That... But what, as I was, sorry, I got distracted. Um, they keep mentioning Holmes's father and that he only hired Watson for six weeks. And in the second episode, it's like, well, five more weeks and we can go on our way. So it maybe makes me feel that they're going to do what shows like Justified have done. And I think Person of Interest may have done this too. I didn't watch Person of Interest though. Um, where, But I heard that early in the the show, they did a bunch of standalones and mysteries of the week. And then they started deepening the, the serialized elements, the further they went on in the show. So I feel like maybe after a couple of weeks, you'll find some reason why Watson has to stick around homes. And then maybe they'll start doing serialized stuff or art stuff or like three episode arcs. This is um, CBS. Evan. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Well, the show that I think would probably be the best precedent would be the mentalist. Um, okay. Cause that I is watched... a, that's a CBS show, and I watched a, maybe the first season or two of it, and I think it's on season five now, maybe. Um, and it was a show where they introduced sort of a mysterious, you know, this bad thing happened in Jane's past life, Jane being his last name, uh, in Jane's past life. And, you know, he's almost Sherlockian with the whole deductions and everything like that. Um but they would have kind of the, you know, case of the week, and then every now and then they would drop in things. And then about the Red John is the name of the thing that was in his past. And they would drop in Red John references, and then they would really ramp up and maybe have like a whole episode that was more Red John than case of the week. And then it would be back to case of the week. Okay, so, so, th- so they could sort of... do something like that with 
elementary, you know, by looking at the mentalist on their own network. I bet you Dollars a Donut, that's Moriarty. Yeah. But I bet you in this, I, I'm going to call it now, Moriarty's going to be a computer program. It's going to be some secret, <laughs> N- no, it's going to be some secret NSA program designed to like monitor everything. It'll be like a person of interest crosser. I don't know. Uh, it's, it, it's a, that he'll run will it, it be in like NC, a, NCIS territory. Yeah. Or we're th- looking at like 1997 Buffy the Vampire Slayer, computer demon, internet scary. <laughs> well, don't forget CBS's target audience. Anything with computers is going to be really scary. <laughs> um, so, so that, even though none of us are in CBS's core demo, are either of you going to keep watching this? Yeah. Well, I wanted to hear Amy's thoughts on the show. I mean, I'm going to keep watching it just because I like Johnny Lee Miller. And uh one thing you said that you know Sherlock is kind of the cartoon character and Lucy Liu is kind of the you know straight man sort of next to him, and that's kind of interesting to me because Lucy Liu in a lot of her career, especially the beginning, like you know like thinking back to Ally McBeal and Charlie's Angels and other things, was almost the cartoon you know Chinese dragon lady. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's really nice to get to see her act a character that has nothing to do with that. You know, well, like, you don't get the sense that her being Asian has anything to do with her character. Exactly. And they're not exploiting that stereotype. And so it's interesting for me to get to see Lucy. Well, Lee she was a act. doctor. She was a doctor. Well, yeah, but you know what I mean? It's like that whole dragon lady thing that seemed to be all she could get cast at as for a while. Yeah. Until um, sweeps weeks when suddenly she knows Kung Fu. <laughs> and then in sweet, I promise you at some point she'll have to operate on Holmes oh, to well, save his life. Given. I mean, I mean <laughs> uh, but yeah, the whole, so the whole I'll, disgrace. I'll keep Cause I want to see, I'm, I'm intrigued to see Lucy Liu in the kind of role I haven't, I haven't seen her in before because I didn't watch Southland. Um, you and, very much should. And uh, also because I, I'm not quite in the CBS demographic, but there are some nights when I want to be. And, you know, what will probably happen is elementary will pile up on my DVR until I feel like having a curl up, you know, in the cardigan kind of evening. I, I'm definitely going to keep watching, although to what to what degree I keep watching, not extent, like, but degree, because I have a couple tiers of shows. There are shows that I watch. Where when I'm watching that show, I don't do anything else. Homeland, for example. I, Breaking Bad, uh, Boardwalk Empire. Those are the shows that when I'm watching those shows, I I shut off everything else. I I don't tweet. I don't I don't check my phone. I I don't have a t. Uh, I don't have anything on in the background. Um, and then there are shows that I'll put up on the monitor and I'll be playing a game while I do it. Or or I'll I'll be writing or reading something and it's on in the background. Like Castle is the perfect background show that's like my gold standard for background show i'm gonna keep watching elementary with you know like 90 percent of my attention um for now but if if i don't think it's going anywhere it'll probably get demoted to a background show but i mean there is enough in those two core performances uh, to keep me coming back um i i think johnny lee miller's doing a pretty good job and the dialogue's pretty snappy it there they have they have pretty good chemistry and she's not taking any of his nonsense. Um, they keep insisting they're not going to do any unresolved sexual tension, any any romance between the two of them. Um, we can only hope. I can only, I can only hope. Um, but I really... That was my I, biggest fear when they said that Watson was, was going to be a woman. I'm like, yeah. oh no... The I, I I've been watching Southland from the beginning, and and she came on I think two seasons ago, or maybe it was just this season. That got her this job. She was really good on Southland, and I I feel like she had her, as you put it, Dragon Lady phase, sort of in the early two late nineties, early two thousands, and then she kind of went away for a while, and she did some abominable indie movies. One of which I even saw, where she played a love <laughs> interest. She played a love interest to Jimmy Fallon. Um, and the whole, I think it must've been just after she got work done or something because her face wasn't moving at all. And Jimmy (laughs) Fallon's wasn't, but it's because he was trying not to laugh the whole time. Mm. And it was a very ponderous, serious movie. Um, and she was terrible in that, but she's great here. Uh, and 
it's not easy to be spouting exposition and you know being the voice of reason it's no fun i should say and um and, and but she's doing yeoman's work and she gets a few moments and the only thing i'm worried about it is as i think it was one of the extra hot great crew or somebody uh, joe reed i think summed up uh the the new robert downey jr um sherlock holmes movies as just oh holmes exclamation mark and we're getting a lot of that here where we're supposed to be like, we're supposed to be scandalized by the things he says and the things he does with the women he does them with. And it's just like, I don't know. Like, I'm not that, I'm not that shocked. We're in a post Fifty Shades of Grey world now. You know, we sh- n- nobody should be surprised at anything. Um, so you definitely have not sold me on watching this, but I will keep it. As, as I wouldn't want, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it a, a full ticket endorsement. I, if you've got a chance to to put it on in the background while you do something, you'll find yourself listening to some of the quips. But um, if uh, anyone I know pops up in background or featured role, or they happen to be filming around me in here in New York, I may check that episode out. Well, there you go. So that's uh, what's this called again? Elementary. <laughs> Elementary. Sorry, yes. sorry. I talked for I talked for about twenty minutes about it. <laughs> Okay, so what? So I'm Amy, what Andrew are you? Editing shears handy. <laughs> so Amy, what are you moderately enthusiastic about? I'm mildly enthusiastic about Ben and Kate, uh, half hour sitcom on Fox. They're putting it in between Raising Hope and New Girl, uh, which is kind of interesting because, in a way, it's, it's thematically almost bridging the gap between those two as well. Uh, the setup is you have Ben and Kate who are siblings. And uh, Kate has a young daughter that she takes care of as a single parent. And in the first episode, her brother Ben comes back and moves in with them. And so you have, you know, these two siblings and they're working with this, you know, to raise this kid. And that's 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 your setup. Wacky hijinks ensue. Um, And that actually it kind of makes it a nice bridge between Raising Hope and... um, and New Girl, because uh, it, it's uh, what was somebody, somebody I, I recall raising hope, redneck child endangerment. No, that's Dan Feinberg, I think. Is that him? Yeah. And so you know, you have some of that in the sort of she's a single parent and she's young, and so and of course the uncle is not always great at parenting. So you have a little bit of that sensibility coming over from raising hope, but then. You can imagine that if uh, Kate hadn't had her daughter when she did, she could be having the life that Jess is having on New Girl. So I think it, I think it, that's a very good. I mean, I know we've discussed before whether people even whether placement on the schedule even matters anymore. But I think you know for Fox that's a good that's a good you know one two three right there. Um, the uh, Announcement came out today that Ben and Kate get six more episodes. Um, so they're going to, they didn't get a full order, but they are going to get to do at least six more episodes. Um, what I like about it is uh, I think Dakota Fanning is really good in it. And given that not, my. Not Dakota it, Fanning. Not Dakota Fanning. Dakota Johnson. Thank you. Dakota is a truck, not a woman. Anyway. <laughs> um, no, Dakota Johnson is all woman. Uh, <laughs> well, the only thing I'd ever seen her in before was Five Year Engagement. Um, I had not seen her in anything, but I downloaded Five Year Engagement after uh, after watching the first two episodes of Ben and Kate. Uh, she, she's a very small role in it, but it, as an aside, I think you'll like Five Year Engagement, but I'll tell you, after you see it, talk to me, and I'll tell you exactly where what I think they should have cut to make it a really great movie. Anyway. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, but she's really good and winning in it. And Lucy Punch, uh, who was in Bad Teacher and has done some other things, um, Lucy Punch, a British actress, plays uh, a good friend of Kate's, and she's sort of the Adina. She's sort of the Patsy to her Adina, in a way. If you get that abfab reference, um, you know, she's the sort of blonde who doesn't understand why you have this thing called a child underfoot. Uh, and she, but she's good. She's got some. She gets some good lines in and is kind of funny. Uh, Nat Faxon, 
uh, Oscar, Oscar winner Nat right? Faxon. Oscar winner Nat Faxon. Um, Co-Oscar winner with uh, the Dean. Yeah. He's uh, good in Along it. with Jim Brash, uh, Nat Faxon won an Oscar for writing The Descendants along with, uh, who was the third co-author of that? I, I don't remember. Was, I'll, I'll find it. Was it either the novelist or the, the book, from the book it was based on, or was it the director, Alexander Payne? It was the director, Alexander Payne. Okay. Anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Tangent. Uh, I like him okay. I will say this. I like him being cast as Dakota Johnson's sibling, and they really have a good sibling chemistry. And that's one of the things that I really like about the show is that, um, you know, like we were just talking about with elementary, you know, making Watson a woman, you're kind of like, oh, no, there's going to be the inevitable sexual tension resolution. Well, since this is not Honey Boo Boo, um, you don't have to worry about that because these are siblings in the lead. So you, I like that, that we get to see, you know, two adults interacting with one another in a relationship that you don't necessarily see front and center in a show all the time. Um, so I like that, that it's going to be kind of a different twist. And the little kid in it, I looked up her name uh, that plays the daughter, Maggie Elizabeth Jones, is really good kid actor. Um, she's not quite to the level of the girls that are on Louie right now, uh, but you can see some of that. You know, like, the the quality of performance is similar. Like, she's not the precocious child actor that's too hammy or the sort of, like, almost Jodie Foster, Dakota Fanning, wise she's beyond not her years. She's not that precocious. Yeah. It's, it seems like it's so far a very natural kind of performance from a kid actor. And, you know, given that she's in, she's elementary school age, so, you know, you can't just ignore her. Like, you know, Raising Hope has managed to age that baby very slowly. That so baby that, is a prop. So they don't have to worry about how Hope acts. You know, they don't have to have a good actress playing Hope. I mean, I don't watch Modern Family, but apparently the aging up of Lily has not been great. I was going to say I was going to bring that up. Everyone hates new Lily. So um, yes. so the the young girl in it is really, is really sweet and cute. So uh, the reason why I, I'm sort of mildly recommending it is because I think it has the bones of a good show. Um, and, you know, a lot of comedies that I like a lot right now didn't start out great. I mean, when I recommend Parks and Rec to people, I tell them, yeah, you can watch the first season, but what I would do is watch the second season, fall in love with it, and then go back and watch the first season if you're a completist. Um, and with Big Bang Theory, I just absolutely say, do not start watching until the second half of season one. Please, don't start at season one, F one, or you'll think I'm insane for recommending it. And so I think Ben and Kate has the, the, the actors are good. They have good chemistry. There's been a lot of lines that made me laugh out loud. So I think the writing is there. And I, so I have high hopes for it after seeing two episodes. And there's, there's some good, uh, writing credits in the in the amongst the writers of Ben and Kate besides uh, Kate Fox who created the show based on her life uh Garrett Donovan and Neil Goldman are the showrunners oh. and they come from community I was gonna say they're community and I think they wrote for uh happy endings didn't they uh possibly I've never seen that so I don't know but <laughs> but I I did I I watched the second episode of Ben and Kate uh, halfway through it, I was debating between just turning it off because I was bored and also really enjoying it because it was kind of cringeworthy, awkward comedy, almost to not nearly a Curb Your Enthusiasm level, but almost like an early Seinfeld before they got really awkward level. And I appreciated that. And I think it has room to grow. And uh, I'll come back to it at some point. I'm not going to be checking in on it every week. It's not that compelling but it's watchable well and uh the second episode to me was very different in tone from the first one because the second episode kind of had wacky sitcom plot of oh we're not zoned for the right school so we pretend we live in this other family's house kind of thing uh, yes. that was the basic and so that's very that's very much a hacky sitcom plot Right, um, and that's and that, that's that the was second, the, that's si the second episode that's, that's the second, second episode. episode whereas and the that was the side of it that i 
couldn't watch this. I wanted to turn it off. And at the same right. time, it was well written. It was well acted. And it went to... It took the humor in that, not in so much of that they were doing it and the, the steps they went to to cover up their tracks, but in how Kate was so wrapped up in her reaction to authority figures. Right. That the humor came out of the character rather than out of the, the situation. I'm actually really high on this show. Um, not out of anything that they've really done, except in the way they've set characters up. Um, it would be really easy to have this show be my stupid brother, and Nat Faxon has done some... I, I Until I found out he co-wrote um, The Descendants with Jim Rash and Alexander Payne, I wasn't a big fan of his. I think he'd been not so good in some things. Um, I've never seen him before. He's kind of one of those, hey, it's that guy. He was in... A bunch of Reno 911. He was in, he had, you know, walk on parts in a million episodes of a million things and random movies. And I just had kind of thought he was a little hacky. Um, but I, it, what the, it would have been really easy to make him it, my wacky brother and he does all of this mischief. And the, but they each of the characters really have their own foibles. Like, you know, uh, Ben is. He cares a lot, and he loves his family. He just kind of doesn't know what to do with it. But when she, when she screws up the the elementary school registration thing, he is like the first one to be like, "Let's fix this. We're gonna we're gonna fix this." And he's kind of using his goofy. He was kind of a ne'er do well, but he's using his connections with knowing all the police officers in town and all that to sort of make things right. And Kate has her foibles too. She's um, she's nervous and doesn't. Uh, handle i thought the running gag with her not handling authority figures well was really funny um and dakota johnson is really winning she's it's i i like that they this is a show that didn't go out and just cast the prettiest people it could find it and don't get me wrong lucy punch uh, dakota seen? johnson lucy punch and dakota johnson are and are very are are very handsome women but so far you guys have much better eye candy on that show than us women. yeah well, well, um, Maxon's nice, but those teeth, man, he's got like John Elway coming out of his mouth teeth. It's too much. Yeah. Uh, but, and he does kind of look like John Elway, but, uh, Dakota, John, <laughs> that's a good comparison. Um, uh, but they like, she's kind of, Kate's kind of de-glammed in this. Like she's, uh, they make a joke about her wearing a fanny pack, but she kind of just looks like tired all the time and bedraggled all the time, which is which how makes a sense. mom should look. Uh, and Dakota Johnson, I looked it up because I was like, I couldn't figure out how old she was. I thought she was like 27, and she's like nine months younger than I am. So, um, which makes her how old? At uh, 23. Okay. And and they uh, she and um, that's, it just that's like, bold. An actress playing older than she is. Well, I don't think she's playing older. I think I think she's supposed to be about 23 or 24, 25. Um, 25 would be more likely. Because 23 would mean she had that kid when she was like 15 or 16. Oh, oh that's true. I forgot she's in elementary. I forgot that the kid's in elementary school. Yeah. Yeah. So she is playing a little older. Um, and Lucy Punch, I mean, she's sort of playing kind of a, a slatternous role. Um, it's fun. She's sort of kind of a mess. But you can see why they're friends because so it allows Kate to live out the life she hasn't had the chance to have. And that's exciting for her. And I think um, I don't we haven't really seen why uh, the Lucy Punch character. I, I think her real life name. Oh, her name is BJ. That's right. Um, yeah, her which name is BJ. I, I hope they didn't make a character on a <sighs> give. give I, I, yeah, I hope they didn't give that character that name permanently for the sake of a one off joke um, in the pilot. But I just call her Lucy Punch because I think that's such a phenomenal real life name that I yeah I don't know why you would ever be called anything different. But <laughs> her, we don't really know why her character is friends with Dakota Johnson of it, the with Kate other than the fact that they work at the same restaurant slash bar. But I, I'm sure we'll get good reasons for that. Sometimes that's all you need. So the Ben and Kate, like I said, I think it's probably worth seeing. I'm glad it got another nine episodes. Um, six episodes. Six, sorry, six episodes. I'd like to see it get a full season order because I'd really, uh, you know, like New Girl last year. New Girl found its footing later on in the season. Now, whether you like it or not, after it's found its footing is 
still you're you know still a divided opinion but um i think they I mean, did a good job of sort of figuring out okay what works and what doesn't and i'd like to see ben and kate get there so a verdict andrew you're not gonna you're gonna check in but you're not gonna keep watching regularly right i'm keeping the season pass uh i may let the episodes pile up on my tivo but and watch it when i have a chance but it's not going to be uh, the appointment television for me and you amy Oh, yeah, I'll keep watching it, especially because I watch the show. I am an old-fashioned old person, and so I will sit there and watch Raising Hope, followed by Vin and Kate, followed by New Girl, and I'll just have my little Fox Tuesday night. Yeah, oh, and I'm going to keep I'm watching, too. I'm an advertiser's too. dream, oh, except I'm for go- being out of their key demographic. I'm going to keep watching this, because even if it isn't... I, there were some funny lines, but even if it isn't the funniest thing ever, it's really... And I, I called Dakota Johnson winning. It's very winning. It, There's a lot of affection between the characters, and it would be easy to make the show about her nattering at him and him being like, lighten up, sis. But it's not. It's <laughs> it's much better than that. So uh, let's move on to the next show, which is something I actually had enthusiasm for. And hey. I was I was actually prepared to come into this podcast and say, you know, this season sucks. I'm not picking up anything new. My time is valuable. I don't want to waste it watching mediocre television. And I watched the pilot to Nashville and I found it was good. I and mean, it's not great television, but it kind of hits in everything that I would like. And it was fun. It had uh, some really good acting. It had great location. It's, it's shot on location in Nashville. They, they filmed at the, at the Grand Ole Opry. Uh, it has. I'm not a country music fan, but it does have. Uh, the music is supervised by uh, T Bone Burnett. Well, that's good. So there's there's good music going on there, and uh, it stars Mrs. Coach. Connie Britton plays uh, a singer, Raina James, who's on her. Her career is peaked. She's uh, not the young up and comer anymore. C- code for Shania Twain. And she's in town, and there's a new up-and-comer who's threatening to take her place as the queen of country music in Nashville, played by uh, Haven Hayden... Panettiere. That's how Panettiere, Panettiere, maybe. Haven, the the really short girl who was the cheerleader on Heroes. Just call her bitchy Taylor Swift. So Midget not. Taylor Swift, <laughs> who's because she's like you know maybe Amy's height around <laughs> maybe. Around five feet tall-ish, uh, whereas Taylor Swift is, you know, about the same weight, but, you know, six feet something. And uh, she plays this character who is, there's a, a really great moment in, in the episode, in the pilot, where uh, it pulls back on the character a little and recasts an action that she takes earlier in the episode to give her a little more depth and dimension, and uh, it's well done. It's just a a fun, well done show, and it's not just country music. There's also a whole political angle with uh, 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 Mrs. Coach's husband, not uh, Coach Taylor, but uh, uh, Chip Esten. I think that's his name. Uh, formerly his of real a, life name or his character. His, his name? real life name. Uh, formerly from a whose line is it anyway? Uh, <laughs> Never heard of him. Deacon. Deacon. No. That. No. That's um, Deacon Claiborne. I think he's the guitarist guy. Oh, okay. Tra- they. They kind of look the same. It's Eric Close. Okay. I'm. I'm. Con- I'm confusing the two of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Eric Close plays the husband who is. Uh, Brought into the, the political side of the agenda, along with uh, Bunny Colvin, Robert Wisdom, uh, formerly of The Wire. And uh, who else is on this? I guess since he's on ABC, he doesn't get to swear as much. There's there's really not that many Clay other... Davis that swears? It's Clay Davis that swears. Okay. Um, there's Claire Bowen, who plays the little... It's actually... I, that part I thought was ripped from Treme, which I actually have seen like four or five episodes of Treme, uh, where she's just kind of singer songwriter in a in a club and she's i think she's mostly a newcomer i don't know there's 
Uh, who's the old guy? Who's there? Who's the father who's playing the nasty, sudsy old guy? That's Powers Booth. Oh, Powers Booth. Sir Cy Tolliver from Deadwood. Yeah. None of these people have the same last name. Uh, I noticed that doesn't have the... Rena James, not the same last name as her husband. Not the same last name as her father. I'm pretty sure that's a stage name, but I just... I couldn't keep any of the characters' names straight. I just called them by their real-life names or by their description. Like, you know, mousy-looking blonde girl, Hayden Panettiere, Mrs. Coach. Um, I thought this show was a really sudsy in a soap opera, like primetime soap way. And none more so when they got to the political part. I didn't care about the political part. I wanted it to be all music, all Nashville stuff all the time. Yeah, the, the power politics of the, the country music world is a little more well done, a little more compelling than the, the power politics of Nashville, the city. But it's, this is not The Wire. This is not, you know, a whole other verisimilitude. This is a fun, lightweight, soapy show. Well, and I actually have, I, one of the things I was dreading about the show was the, actually the country music um, because most modern country music, I just can't stand. Um, that Nashville sound that's been popular for about the last 20 years. Great. Yeah, where it's played by robots. My... Pardon? It's played by robots. Right. It grates on every one of my last nerves. And I mean, you know, people like Kenny Chesney or, um, I'm trying to think of some of the other big names. Cause I mean, I just don't even listen to it at all. But T-Bone Burnett, his pedigree makes me think that even though they may be trying to ape the Nashville world, he might elevate what's going on in Nashville to something that's listenable. Yeah, there's definitely much more of the old classic Nashville, you know, old school country sound than the modern computer generated robot human music that there that there Shania is coming out Twain, of modern Nashville. That's the one I hate. Shania I Twain is like everything I hate about country music in the last 20 years. Oh, and, then and I, I shouldn't have used her as a comparison early because you're supposed to love Mrs. Coach. And I, I think <laughs> to a large, look alike. And I think to a large extent, um, the show is about the old Nashville, the, the classic country sound versus the new Nashville, the, the robot pop music for red state folks. Although Clash. I just read an article recently um, talking about country airplay and things like that. And the problem now is that a lot of the kind of traditional country, like, like say, you know, Taylor Swift comes up in that new Nashville sound. Uh, she's crossing over to pop and so are Sugarland and Blake Shelton and Miranda Lambert, not quite, but almost there, that kind of thing. And so as they're becoming more popified and moving to the pop stations, you're getting room for things like uh, the Zac Brown Band and um, I can't remember some of the other acts they named that actually 10 years ago would have only be found, been found on an Americana playlist. Hmm. So some there's this theory that some that country stations are actually moving into Americana. I'll believe it when I hear it. Um, but and, and on this and the same on on the other end of it, you're having some of like the alt country alternative bands coming kind of in the the Wilco genre. The the uh, who else am I thinking of? Uh, in that kind of borrowing from the country end, but going more the indie rock route, who are also coming back into that country Americana world and. Well- and you're getting things like Mumford and Sons and the Avett brothers who are getting some country airplay and I mean they're practically bluegrass. I mean they're they're more they're folk bands. They but, are, but they're starting to get some country airplay yeah. because they sound more country than what Taylor Swift is making yeah. now. And what I I actually like that the sh- the the show comes out and calls Hayden Panettiere's character Juliet Barnes. Juliet Barnes, she, they call her a crossover act and they make fun of her singing very pointedly. Um and the show is not pulling his punches. I think it actually does a good job of shading some of the grays. Like, you know, she at one point hears the Raina James character putting down her music. But, you know, Raina James doesn't know that Juliet heard this. And the whole kind of plot is that Raina James's career is on the downswing and she's going to have to take a gig opening for Juliet Barnes. And sassy Mrs. Coach ain't going to take that. And um, 
it's I think that it's actually a fairly complex show for as sudsy as it is. I mean, it and that's not to put down soap operas, but I think it's actually portraying some real things going on in the way the music business is changing. Um, and not only that, but I like they really the Hayden. It would be easy to cast Hayden Panettiere as a brainless pop sex pot, and she's not just that. She is that, but she's also not that. Um, there's kind of this scene where the guys, the guy, the, all the producers behind the glass are making fun of the way she's singing while she's sort of making, um, she's sort of making faces at the, at the, at one of the producers and she's, um, sort of, uh, uh, making come hither glances while she sings. And then, um, but then you can sort of see why she might be doing those things when you, I don't want to spoil it, but when you find out some of the, uh, details about her family life and it's, um, I don't know, it, I, it would be easy to make her completely villainous and there's no doubt we're supposed to see her as mostly villainous. Um, but she's not totally villainous and you can sort of see where Mrs. Coach isn't the nicest person, you know, refusing to, she's kind of prideful at this point. So I don't know. I'm excited. Is this all about Eve, the post Eve years? If I'd seen all about Eve, I, I could tell you. Yes, uh, I missed that reference. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, so oh, that's right. I forget you're both straight. Okay, so all about Eve. <laughs> you have an older actress on the stage who um, a younger actress comes along, and she at first sort of nurtures her because the younger actress kind of worships her. And then it becomes pretty obvious that the younger actress is scheming to take her place and her husband, and she succeeds. No, it's not that... This is pretty nasty from the start. Yeah, this, this is not that uh, plotting methodical. This is this is really Power Boy. This is the young up-and-comer versus the old woman on top. And if there can only be one... There's only one. It's this, this is more like the Game of Thrones as far <laughs> as uh, the politics. If there can only be one person on the Iron Throne, there can only be one Queen of Nashville. I and I have to say, this show is delightfully sassy, and I, it, it's very obviously very obvious that Connie Britton is having a great time doing it. Um, there's a lot of clipped tones and fake niceness and sort of Harlequin Southern stuff. And it it's really great. I, I it's it's a, it's a good show, but the interplay between Connie Britton and Hayden Panettiere and the short encounter they have is really fantastic. Um, the one thing I'm sort of dreading about watching this, and I haven't seen it yet, I know Connie Britton, I know her southern accent, and it's going to be fine. I'm slightly worried about everybody else that I'm supposed to believe is a southerner. Hayden Panettiere's wasn't bad. I actually think I don't know where she's from, so I don't know, you know, if she has a background that would give her, you know, the the ability to do a southern accent. Nah, she's she's a New Yorker. Not being a southerner, I don't have any uh, feel any qualification to judge uh, whether the southern accents were convincing or not. I get the feeling that even if it is overplayed, like this show is going to be a little bit on the overplaying things, and so I'm kind of fine with it if it's sort of a southern if it's sort of a minstrelly in that way i'm kind of fine with it well it's just like you know for you guys like if you heard dan if you heard someone trying to do kind of that new New englander the nor'easter accent yeah and they were getting it completely wrong you you never watched the brotherhood of poland new hampshire no i did not (laughs) or i'm sure for uh you know dan hearing like the brooklyn i mean not dander hearing the brooklyn or New York or Jersey kind of accents when they're wrong. And it just sort of, you know, it makes you kind of clinch. Yeah, there, there's a lot of nuance that you get living someplace that in the accents that you wouldn't pick up outside of it. Like coming, thinking of a New York area accent from the outside, not really living here, you probably wouldn't be as easy to distinguish the New Jersey from the Queens, from the Brooklyn, from the Bronx as... It's, some of us are, or like the, the Massachusetts from the New Hampshire from the Maine, which are all oh, yes. very different, but similar. 
Yeah. So, well, I mean, in I mean, I can tell that there are different New York accents, but I can't necessarily tell when someone is doing it poorly. But I can on Southern accents. I can. We don't. Nobody. I've lived. I've only lived in the South my entire life, and I have never met anyone that speaks like you, kind of thing. <laughs> well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I've seen one episode. I'm gonna. I'll probably give it a couple more. If I think it gets too into the political end, that'll I'll I'll give it up. But if they keep emphasizing the Mrs. Coach and Juliet Barnes side of things, I'll I'll keep watching. Oh, it's okay. gonna be all about the music because that's gonna help them sell a soundtrack. Yeah, this oh, is and- this is the post Glee world. They they have to sell music every week to make money. Yeah. Well, I, I I actually had one last note about the music. Some of the music isn't good, but it, we're not supposed to think it's good. We're supposed to have contempt for the Taylor Swift side of the music. Like there is some music that is very clearly supposed to be bad versions of bad Taylor Swift songs. And then there's the only song that really stood out to me was the last song of the episode. And it was supposed to, and it did. And so I think the music is kind of doing its job. Well, there I, you go. I, I expect to be watching the show more than I watch shows I like better. <laughs> I think it's, the, it's just the kind of show that it's easy, it's light, it's, it's not heavy. And if I sit down to watch TV in the middle of the week, I'm probably going to turn on Nashville before I get to Sons of Anarchy. And you know that just the makeup of this show is such that people are going to be talking about it. So at least we'll be in on a discussion. And this seems like as good a place of any as to break our discussion into two because it ran very long. So that's it for the shows that we're newly excited to see. When we come back in the next week or so, we will be talking about the shows that we're excited to see come back. I've been Andrew Raff. Thanks again for listening. You can find us on the web at buzzrantrave.com. You can hit me up on Twitter at Andrew Raff or Dan at Naked Baby Photos or Amy at Amy Watts. See you in the next segment.